two. And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 145. Happy to be live on Facebook. Happy to be with you on iTunes. Very proud to be a member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for the positive reviews and the shout outs. We appreciate it. Uh, and I'm excited to be back on. I did cut the music today. I don't know if you've noticed that, but something is wrong on my remixing uh, when it does get put onto social media and or iTunes. Uh, so if you are a sound person, if you are listening and watching this, uh, I have someone working on it for me, my friend Stephen Hurley, Voice at Radio Canada, but I need some help with the sound, and we are going to work that out. I did want to make uh, a little announcement about a couple programs I have coming up on November 18th, just a couple weeks away. November 18th, after school, I am doing a workshop called The Partnership, Surviving and Thriving, and that is going to be about communicating with families, uh, virtual meets in auditorium settings, on the phone, uh, phone call blast. So uh, that's called the partnership, right? Schools and families and communities got to be partners for the betterment of the kids. Uh, so I'm doing that workshop through Putnam Northern Westchester BOCES. You can find that through their site, Putnam Northern Westchester, or it's on my site or on my social media. I'd love for you to take part in that if you're a school administrator watching. Uh, that's on November 18th. Also on December 7th after school, a Twitter workshop, Twitter for all educators uh, that is being run through Eastern Suffolk BOCES. Happy to be working with them and partnering with them. If you want to improve yourself on Twitter, you want to get going on Twitter, come join me in that workshop and uh, I'd be happy to work with you. So two upcoming workshops, November 18th and uh, December 7th after school. Uh, for school leaders. The Partnership Surviving and Thriving is the first one, and Twitter for All Educators is the second one. So a quick commercial on that, but let's get to it. It's show number 145, and we are going to meet in just a moment the author of this book, Dr. Heather Lyon. Not Lyons, as I called her earlier, but Lyon Heather uh, is an administrator uh, up upstate New York in the Buffalo area, western New York, as they say, and uh, Heather is a school administrator. Heather is a parent, and she is the author of this book here with this magical word here, engagement, right? And, and what a you know, great topic now to talk about in what we're going through now. How do we engage our kids? How do we do things that uh, bring them into the classroom? And she's going to talk about, I don't want to steal her thunder, but a lot of times we have compliant learners, right? We as school administrators, we walk into classrooms, we want to see kids dialed into the lesson. And as the highest level, she talks about it, absorbed, which I love that, right? Like a sponge absorbing it. Um, but a lot of times we see compliant, right? They're sitting there, they're, they're paying attention, they're looking in, and they're kind of doing what the teacher says versus they are in uh, and being compliant. So I'm going to ask you to talk about this rubric a little bit she has here, compliant interested, absorbed, and then certainly the, not a good one here, non-compliant, which is when they are uh, going off the deep end and doing things they're not supposed to do in class. So 
I'm looking forward to talking to Heather. Let's bring her into the program here now. Uh, we just got through some tech issues and we made it here just in time for the program. Heather, welcome to Education Leadership and Beyond. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, really thrilled you could be here uh, and appreciate and and I'm glad we fixed those tech issues 30 seconds before we went live on the end. Yeah, we pulled it out in the end. <laughs> we did, and as parents and educators, sometimes it goes like that. Uh, but again, this is Dr. Uh, Heather Lyon. She's an educator, author. She's the assistant superintendent for curriculum, instruction, technology in the Lewiston Porter Central School District. That's a lot of responsibility, Heather. Uh, yeah, I uh, I wouldn't have chosen that as my title. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you give us the Cliff Notes version? Tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience today. Sure. Um, I am working as an administrator now in the job that I went into administration to finally get. So I, I love teaching and learning and everything related to that. So really love my job. But uh, once upon a time, I was an English teacher, um, 7 through 12 English teacher. Most of my time was spent uh, in 9 through 12 English AIS and teaching 11th grade honors. So I had both ends of the gen ed spectrum. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been a staff developer. Um, I've had several different administrative titles and uh, I'm a mom of three kids. This is the one and only year that I'll have a child in elementary, one in middle and one in high school. Wow. Um, yeah. So it makes it sound like my kids, like there's a lot of space between them, but they're only two years apart from each other. Um, so I have fifth, seventh and ninth grade this year. Wow. And um I, I do also teach a course at uh, Niagara University for uh, ed, uh, people studying to be administrators. So I teach them uh, a curriculum course, which is really fun. And, you know, I write books sometimes. <laughs> so. You like to write, and we're gonna get to that now. And thank you for that, Heather. I gotta say my number one fans watching, my mom. So uh, thanks for doing that. And uh, if you are watching live with Dr. Lyon myself, Please feel to, for you to jump in with us and, and get involved in the show. Uh, and Heather, let's let's get right into it, right? Here's yeah. the book you wrote. Uh, it's amazing, right? It recently came out for you. And I mean, number one, before we get to the content, what made you design like so big? What made you want to, like, I love holding it. I love the size. I love the feel. Like, what made you want to? You're kind to say that you love the size. You know, when I was writing it, I didn't envision that it was going to be this whale of a book, no pun intended, um, right? But it's it's pretty big. It's a hefty book. Um, and I designed it to be uh, grouped into a what, so what, now what? And... Um, and it just kind of took on a life of its own in terms of the heft of it. But also, I have wide margins in the book because when I was sending it out for feedback to, you know, my reviewers, uh, they were like, I wish the margins were large so I could write in it. So uh, I, I made the margins big. I asked questions at the beginning and at the ending of each chapter to help the reader start to I ask questions before they even read the chapter because I want to create a baseline for them. 
um, what is it you're thinking before I share anything with you? And then at the end of the chapter, now what are you thinking after you've done the reading? Um, so, you know, there's space in the, it's like a workbook almost. And that's what it feels like, exactly. And why the topic engagement? Where did that passion come from that you said, I want to write this book with the most unique title, but, <laughs> but a focus on engagement? Where, where does that passion come from? So um, you're in administration. And so we are on the uh, giving end of providing feedback to teachers on their teaching. And so I, I'm sure that you have, I have also been trained in conducting observations. And one of the key features that you're looking for, no matter what tool you're using in your observation, is something related to student engagement. Um, however, as I was getting more and more uh, coaching in what I should be looking for in classrooms, um, engagement kept coming up and I realized I don't think we have common understanding of what we're talking about mm -hmm. because some people when they're talking about we should be looking for engagement and they're going in with a literal checklist where they're supposed to like tally up the number of students who are doing what they're told to do and that didn't feel like high levels of engagement that felt like high levels of compliance. Um, and if I'm being honest, I, I went to another school for a uh, substitute recruitment fair. And when I was in their bathroom, they had a poster on the wall, which I include in the book. It's uh, Schlechty's Levels of Engagement. And um, so there's this engagement poster on the wall in the bathroom. And I was like, oh, and it really got me thinking. I liked what what Schlechty had to say, but I didn't feel like it was complete yet. And so that's really where my engagement framework started was in a ladies room at <laughs> substitute recruitment there. <laughs> wow. wow. And you're right, right? We sit in these classrooms, we sit in these workshops and get trained to look for it. But like you said, a lot of the times if the kid is paying attention and looking up and kind of nodding, like that's not that's compliant that means they're 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 paying attention they're listening they're not talking um well interesting. go ahead in fact what that means is that they are uh, behaviorally compliant but that really does not tell me if they are intellectually engaged and so because you know you and i are both parents um, and spouses, and sometimes our children or our spouse might be telling us a story. And from the outside, it looks like we're paying attention, but in reality, we are just nodding along and we're not even intellectually engaged. We're not listening, um, let alone necessarily uh, connecting with and feeling inspired by what they're saying. And so I don't think that you can tell if a child is truly engaged just by observation. I think it takes more than that. I think it takes conversation. Um, and kids at the highest level um, absorption, um, you don't have to ask them about what they're learning. They are going to tell you about what they're learning and what they're doing. Um, that said, I think absorption. So in the book, I describe four levels of engagement. Um, and I put it on a continuum. So the lowest level is non-compliance, then compliance, then interested and absorbed. 
And um, absorbed means that you are doing whatever that task is for intrinsic reasons. You don't need extrinsic relationships or consequences, consequences being neutral, positive or negative, in order to motivate you to do it because you have intrinsic motivation. And then the task is the thing that gives you joy, right? So um, we are not wired as human beings to have that level of engagement in 100% of things 100% of the time. I don't care who you are. Um, so our job in school is not to get all kids to that level in every class every day. Our job is to get them to interested at least. So interested is not only do I enjoy doing this task, uh, but I need some extrinsic motivation in order to do this task. And I think that um, some people initially are disappointed to hear that extrinsic motivation is a place to aim for, for 100% of kids, 100% of classes, 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. But as if I were to ask most adults, um, you know, would you continue showing up to work and doing everything that you're supposed to do if I didn't pay you? Um, the answer would be no. <laughs> and so because most adults are interested in their work, but it's not the thing that they want to do in their free time, like on a Saturday or Sunday. If yeah. you want to do more of your job on a Saturday or Sunday, God bless you. Um, but for most of us, we want to, uh, on Saturday and Sunday, we want to do the things we're absorbed in. And the things we're absorbed in, we actually pay to do. We don't do it well enough that we get paid to do it. Although you do, you're refing. I think you would do for free. I won't tell the NCAA that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but those passions, you're right. Uh, and, and that old school mentality of, well, these kids should be, you know, sitting here being compliant because I'm teaching, right? You know, 50 years ago when we were in school, it was like, that's because I'm supposed to sit here. And it is different now. And I agree with you. But they were sitting there not because they were so uh, interested in the task. They were sitting there because they were so uh, uh, respectful of the of the uh, hierarchical relationship between the student and the teacher. Absolutely. And they were afraid more of the yeah. parent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So fear doesn't necessarily elicit engagement. <laughs> <laughs> now tell me about the title. I love it. I, I, I read it in the pictures. And tell me what <laughs> you draw on the title. Take a look at that. Engagement is not a unicorn. It's a narwhal. So tell me about that. So uh, what happened was I had this concept of the framework that I shared, right? And so, and the book was being written um, in a linear fashion from like, what, so what, now what? So the book is, you know, what are these four levels of engagement? So what is, um, so why do they matter? And then the now what is strategies to help you go from one level to the next level or help other people get there, right? So I was uh, trying to write the chapter of strategies of how to get somebody from interested to absorbed in schools. And I was struggling because I was like, shoot, that doesn't happen a lot. Maybe it doesn't happen at all. 
And so I, I set my work aside and just, um, you know, was doing some other things over a couple weeks, a month or so. And it occurred to me, you know what, uh, engagement at the highest level in schools is not mythical like a unicorn. It is real like a narwhal. It's just not well known or understood. So there are lots of people who don't know what a narwhal is, or maybe they know what a narwhal is, but they don't think that it's real because the idea of a whale with a horn is just as ridiculous on paper as a horse with a horn, but a whale with a horn is a real thing. <laughs> it's just not common. Yeah, that's a great, that is really a great way that you develop that because uh, it's true, right? People don't think they can get there. Yeah, so in the book, um, I share a, um, a chart that has a side-by-side -side comparison of, you know, what does engagement as a unicorn look like? Yeah. And that's on page 166 versus what does engagement as a narwhal look like? Yeah. So like um, engagement, yes, there it is. Engagement as a unicorn is something, it's either ridiculously low like all students do what they're supposed to do, which is that's compliance. That's not engagement as a narwhal. Um, or it's ridiculously high, like students applaud for the teacher at the end of a lesson. Like that's not what engagement looks like either. So instead of applauding at the end of a lesson, the unicorn, uh, the narwhal is students feel proud of their own work and their learning. That's a real thing. That's what I want at the end of the day for my children or the students in the district that I work in. Like, I want the kids to feel proud of what they're doing. Um, so that's really where the that's where the title comes from. Yeah. And you can tell that you've done a lot of work with this, Heather, because in those that are observing classes, they know that we're trying to find when the students lead the test, when the students are highly, as you say, engaged. And that's. Yes. What a lot of these are so that uh, you like uh, Danielson will be proud of. Uh, <laughs> um, but another thing I love in here, you have the QR codes. Uh, yeah, uh, there's so many little videos. I watched the one of your son. That's uh, my I, favorite. I, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> he's gonna look when he's old and go like, "Wow!" You know. <laughs> uh, so the video that you're describing <laughs> is of my. Now 10-year-old son, he was four, and he was playing on his Nintendo DS, and he was playing a game uh, and losing repeatedly. <laughs> and so he would, it was, it's only a minute long, but it's this like roller coaster of emotions because he really does keep dying. <laughs> but he's like, self, his self-talk through that is so powerful because you can hear him saying, and um, I've even put like the transcript. If you click closed caption on the video, you'll see it. But, you know, it, he'll say, I get it. I get it now. I know what I'm doing. Um, but the thing about video games, which I think we should adopt this framework uh, with regard to teaching and learning, is that video games are designed both to work within your zone of proximal development which for educators uh, or for non-educators, that just means, you know, there's this kind of band of um, uh, capability that all of us have. And the idea of the zone of proximal development is that we should be operating at the high end of it so that 
um, we shouldn't be doing things that are too easy or too hard. Because um, if they're too easy, we get frustrated and give up. And if they're too hard, um, no, we, so either way, we get frustrated and we give up because if it's too easy, we're bored. And if it's too hard, we're struggling. Anyway, in classrooms, in video games, rather, we design it so that you're operating at the high end of your zone of proximal development. You know you're going to repeatedly fail um, because you, nobody wants to play a game that they can win the first time. The skills that um, allow you to beat one level are skills that are sufficient enough to win that level, but insufficient for, oh, sufficient enough for you to win that level and enter the next level, but insufficient for you to be successful without failure at the next level, because that failure is where the learning is. And so, but in schools, we're designed that failure, uh, struggle and failure lead to an F, not lead to an A. Um, and we're really doing uh, the kids a disservice because failure is where the learning happens. And yeah, Let's do it again. Let's do it better. What can I work on? Absolutely. That's right. And so, and if classrooms were designed in such a way that we said to kids, listen, uh, you got to level up first. So you're going to try this, you're going to struggle. And that's really good because it's going to be teaching you what you need to know in order to be successful with the next level. And we talked about it in that way. I think, I think kids would be much more engaged. Yeah. Um, and so would teachers. And that, that concept of it, it drives me crazy, right? You have the line gets an F and you, you, no, you can't do it again. No, you can't redo You know, like, it's right. like if you were comparing it to the video game, you, you, you got killed and that's it. You're never playing the game again. That's right. You're done. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the, the idea of that video game is just really easy to understand um, and for whatever reason, it's really hard to implement um, because it, it breaks tradition. Sure. But in the book, I wanted to make sure that if I mentioned a video, like if I can find the video, then I can share that video with you. So might as well have the QR code so people can scan it and, and uh, watch it themselves. Well, the QR code, again, the style, and then the personal stories you share uh, were just, just really well done. Um, but Heather, one of the things I struggle with as an educator, I grew up in a very competitive family. My father owned his own pharmacy, right? Mm -hmm. And he, you know, didn't do well in the pharmacy. There was a loss. There was a, there was a loss in our income. There was a loss in his business, that fear of loss aversion, fear of losing something. And while we want everyone to have engaging classrooms, you know, sometimes people just, for whatever reason, they don't have that intrinsic uh, want to, to, to have that engaging classroom. How do we as school leaders make them want to engage the kids more? How do we show them that this is what should be happening? So I think what we have to do is model for them what we want them to, uh, to do themselves. So if we're saying teacher, create a safe place to fail and encourage risk, then we have to do that too, because the teacher isn't going to get it right the first time either. Yeah. Um, I think it also helps to have um, uh, networks. So in other words, uh, 
people don't have to struggle in silence by themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, even though teaching itself can be really isolating um, by choice or otherwise, because you're in that room by yourself with those kids, that um, planning is so important and that behind the scenes uh, work that teachers do um, can only be made easier when done collaboratively. Yeah. Great points. Great examples. Heather, how about you? You're, you? You said you're a mom. You're, you're an assistant superintendent. You're a professor. You got your doctorate. Like, <laughs> you balance all these things in your life and still have, you know, you're smiling, you're laughing today. You got great energy. How do you balance it all as a leader? Um, poorly. <laughs> um, I am not good at um, personal professional balance and part of that is because I genuinely find my work engaging um, I, I like my work more than I like you know hanging out at my kids soccer practice for sure um, <laughs> I don't need to watch my child play soccer, but I can get lost in, you know, some of the things that I do both uh, as an assistant superintendent or, you know, as an author and working on my book or my blog or whatever the case may be. That said, um, play or work is the place I go home from, not the place I go home to. And I love my children and my husband and my time with my children relatively speaking is short because I do want them to leave the nest at some point. Um, yeah. Not yet, um, <laughs> but eventually. And so, um, you know, as a family, we do things to that are traditions in our family that keep us connected and together. Like um, on Saturday, I, like you, I have a family of five um, and I'm boy, girl, boy, I think just like you. And um, uh, so every Saturday, we usually um, go out to eat. I mean, this is, this is the era of COVID, but you know what I'm saying. And so like we take, we rotate through who gets to pick where we go, um, you know, that type of thing. We have a family meeting um, every Sunday over uh, Sunday dinner. Um, and uh, I have also had to learn that uh, when I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. Yes. And I really want to be thoughtful about saying yes to the things that really matter and um, no to the things that don't. Uh, so, uh, and I have a fantastic husband. Like he gets me like nobody else gets me. And he knows um, that like, I am a better person because I get to have these outlets and different things that sometimes are not family related, but it, um, so he's my biggest cheerleader and champion. I, you know, in your book, you talk about every decision that's made is a uh, family decision that you and your wife run through together. And my husband and I have a similar uh, outlook and approach. Kudos to you, and that, that is so important, right, to be a successful educator. I think it is important to have that, that great home base, so good for you for doing those things for your family, and the importance of what you said, those creative outlets that you enjoy because you could tell you're a passionate writer, right? You, you could tell because now this book 
has led to another project. Yeah. Correct, right? Isn't yes. You You're going to be in it. I'm, yes. I'm excited. What What is the second project about? Because you got going with this and that'll be another one. Yes. And so, um, you know, this book, uh, the one that you're holding, Engagement is Not a Unicorn, uh, you know, is is a phone book. And so <laughs> in terms of its girth. And so as I was writing it, when I got to the now what section, I realized that I had more strategies that could fit into this book. And so I went to uh, my publisher, Edumatch. I love the Edumatch family and uh, said, I think I have a second book. It's like the, it's just strategies. So um, I am working on finishing up the first draft of that book now. Uh, every day I just write or, you know, do a little bit towards it. And yeah. my goal is to have that done by uh, December 31st of this year to have my first draft of that book done. But what I have loved about the process of doing the second book, which the working title right now is The Big Book of Engagement Strategies. Um, oh. And what I've loved about it is that I had, uh, I had the thought, I should be collaborating with other people in the creation of that because all you have to do is ask people, like, what's your go-to strategy for building relationships, for uh, giving choice and voice, for, you know, whatever. And everybody has at least one. And so I am really excited about the idea of being able to spotlight um, and shine the that spotlight on great things that are happening through other people and their work. That's awesome. And I love that your excitement for these projects and that, that you're doing them, you're setting goals. Uh, it's really a, a, you know, a role model, Heather, for, for educators and, and for people that, that want to do some things. You set these goals uh, and I'm happy to be part of that. And you were so good in your feedback with that. And, um, Heather, I know you've had some meaningful mentors in your life too, people that have help shape you and, and help, you know, guide you along your way to get you where you are and to where you're going. So do you want to share a little bit about maybe some of who those people are and how they impacted your life? I do. Um, so my former boss um, from a, a different district, she's since retired. Her name is Robin Zimrose and she was the assistant superintendent um, for curriculum in uh, a local school district here. She just was so thoughtful and humorous, but selfless. And um, I have worked with, I have had some really good non-examples uh, in my career. <laughs> uh, people who I'm like, I don't ever really want to be like them. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Robin broke the mold in terms of somebody who I would like to be like because she made it a point not just to lead and lead by example, but to mentor me in her leadership. And I, I have so much admiration for that. And then my other colleague while I was working there, her name is um, uh, Katie Huber, who is now a district superintendent. Um, but at the time she was director of uh, secondary education. Like she is, unbelievable just her, her she is so zen 
And so her approach um, to, to life is um, to just embrace it and lean in and, and I just love it. Yeah. And then my, the last person I just feel like I need to shout out is uh, Melissa Lawn, who um, I uh, hired her in a previous position. Um, she was my director of special education and she has since become, uh, we don't, I don't call her my best friend. I call her my person. Um, like I no longer need to have a friend, like a best friend at work. Like there are certain points in, in my career earlier where I felt like I had to have a best friend at work, uh, just to have that connection. But because my connection with Melissa is so strong and we talk like every day to and from work, <laughs> um, I, I have so many friends at work for sure, but I don't need to have a best friend here because I have a connection that supersedes wherever I am. Um, it's wonderful. Yeah. Everybody should have that. Good for you and good for you from growing and learning from these people. And speaking about Zen, you, you found some Zen in your life by, by running. You said you <laughs> started running a few years ago and it's something that you've really uh, enjoyed. You want to share that? So I don't know that I enjoy running. I do run and I enjoy that I have uh, challenged myself in that way. So my son, Oliver, who uh, is my son who was playing that video game in that video, um, when he was in kindergarten, uh, he was a struggling reader. He started kindergarten at the age of four because his birthday is in October. Mm. And um, he would come home with his 12 word sight word list for the month. And I would write them out on three by five cards and, you know, we would do flashcards or whatever. And he'd get angry because it was hard and he would, you know, throw them on the floor. And I would say, that's fine, buddy. As you pick them up, tell me what they, what they say. <laughs> and, uh, and I would say to him, all right, Oliver, Listen, when things get hard, we try harder. Say it. And, you know, I'd make him say it. And then I was thinking about it. And, Andrew, I don't know about you, but as an adult, there are very few things that we need to try hard with in our lives because we get to have more say as an adult. Like, I don't know, you know, if you don't want to study physics right now, you don't have to. You could choose to do it, but you don't have to. Um, I don't. I was the kid who like faked the asthma attack in high school to get out of running the president's physical fitness test mile. That was me. And um, and yeah, and it's true. I do have asthma, but I also it's also true that I have no physical impairment that would prevent me from running. And so I was looking at Oliver and telling him, you know, when things get hard, we try harder. And in my head, I'm thinking, but I don't really have to try hard with much now. Um, and so I wanted to challenge myself to do something that was hard for me. So he would see me as a model and say, you know, all right, mom can read. That's not her challenge. Mom's challenge is running but look at her. She's trying. You're doing a lot of things. That's, that's a very warm story. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> uh, 
People get passionate about it. You can, there's a great running movie. I don't know if you watched McFarland on the Disney Channel. No. Work it down. Nice family movie. You could have it after your dinner with your kids. Kevin Costner, McFarland. Okay. And, and you're a runner, right? Well, my family. My family is. My, my dad, they did the marathons. My brother and sister became marathon runners. Uh, uh, but like you said, I refereed, so they used to pay me to run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of running. That's a lot of running. About 4.5 miles per game if you're counting from home. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So Heather, this was great. I want to get to rapid fire. Uh, you know, you you are an amazing educator and a parent and doing great things. Uh, but before we get to rapid fire, was there anything else you wanted to share? You know, you're impacting lives. You're an author. Is there any message out there that you wanted to get to school leaders or teachers or parents that are listening? You know, I think the I think I'd like to say to them. Because so many people I run into now, they're like, wow, you wrote a book. That's something that I thought I've wanted to do, but it's so hard type of thing. I really think all people need to do is just sit down and start doing it. The hardest part of writing the book I thought was going to be finding a publisher. But it's 2020, and so you can self-publish if that's really what you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so get an accountability partner, ask somebody to like ask you about it. So when people tell me, oh, I thought about whatever, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be asking you about it now. Every time I see you, I'm going to ask, how's the book coming? And mm -hmm. so you are either going to have to turn in the other direction or you're going to have to answer the question. <laughs> um, so I think whatever people want to do, it's possible. And you probably... Um, it's not about a lack of skill. It's a lack of having structures in place to be able to support you in accomplishing that task. And there's no shame in like putting it out there and saying, I'm trying um, to do this. Please ask me about it. Yeah. And, and get some help, right? I, I'm a yeah. believer of success leaves clues, right? Those who have done it successfully, how do they do it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good for you. This is uh, this was awesome. I'm inspired. I hope our listeners are. And again, if you're watching live, leave us a comment. Um, Heather, you ready for rapid fire? Here we go. Here we go. Okay. You, you're a busy uh, lady here. The last book you read? Um, the last book I read was Extreme Leadership. Uh, no, Extreme Ownership. Have you read that? Extreme Ownership. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's by two Navy SEALs. When you listen to it, they sound like Navy SEALs because I do a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. And so they sound like this. <laughs> cool. Last movie you saw? I just um, watched uh, The Trial of the Chicago Seven on Netflix. Ooh. It was really good. Um, so I highly recommend it. Were the kids there or is that? Uh, oh, no, it is an R movie. It's an R. Okay. Not yeah. there yet. Favorite place to travel? Uh, I don't have a favorite place to travel because I like to go to new places. Mm. Um, I, I like to go to new restaurants. I like to go to new places that I haven't been before. Um, but my favorite place to be is home. I'm a homebody. Oh, oh. Uh, your go-to line when you, you're talking with educators and there is a very low level of engagement. Uh, my go-to line is, all the pretty people in the house say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets them, that gets them in. 
<laughs> no, uh, that's not true. That's usually how I start out just to get them warmed up. But <laughs> um, no, I think I'm a storyteller by nature. And so ha um, explaining, um, giving them a story or an analogy is usually how I try to make connections with people. And you told so many cool stories in your book. That's awesome. Uh, a pet peeve of yours, something that gets under your skin. Um, when people say, I can't. You're the model of growth mindset. Best staying warm strategy you have being from Western New York. Uh, layers. <laughs> layers, blankets. Um, and I'm a sucker for a heating pad. I know that's like, like my grandparent, my grandma had a heating pad. So that's where that comes from. It's <laughs> got them plugged in downstairs and upstairs. So that's right. I got a, for, for Mother's Day this year, I got a weighted massaging one. It's fantastic. <laughs> Living in Western New York is, fill in the blank. Is wonderful if you like Four Seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I visited the uh, Finger Lakes for the first time uh, this past uh, summer. It was fantastic up there. I loved it. It's beautiful country up here. Yeah. Getting cold now, though. Uh, not this week. This beautiful. week we're in the 60s. Yeah. 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 Too. If you were the commissioner of New York State Ed and the way you're going, you might be someday. You would? Quit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is a thankless job. It is political. I don't think that it necessarily is um, uh, in touch with uh, what really happens in schools. And so um, I, I, I was listening because I attended um, this week the uh, Association of Math Teachers uh, from New York State. They have a virtual conference this week. And Joe Bowler, who is um, known for uh, work in math, she was talking, she's in California, but she's British. She was saying, I think people who write the standards really need to be able to do two things, actually teach kids and actually know the standards. <laughs> and so I, I think that uh, our commissioners tend to be really removed from, from what happens in schools. Yeah. I like being in a district. Do you? You're engaged. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been in Port Jervis 16 years. It's been yeah. a wonderful community. We've done great things. Yes. You're part of a home. Yeah. 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 Best purchase under a hundred bucks that has had a great impact on your life. Uh, I know you gave these to me in advance. So like I should be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> you're a busy um, lady. You know what? I would say, uh, and this one is free the overdrive app um on your phone it's free and it allows you to borrow books from the library from your from a device and so all you need is a library card and so i constantly have an audiobook on my phone i always and so people are like how do you read so much i read with my ears that's how i read so much overdrive overdrive yes if you and Oh, I hope we didn't lose you. 
I hope we didn't lose you, Heather. You froze on my end here. There you go. Oh no, there we go. You're back. I, okay, great. I was just saying you can you can borrow. I borrow books from New York City on my phone, uh, ebooks and audiobooks for free. It's the best. Home run. Um, we are wrapping up here, Heather. You did fantastic. What would be the best COVID advice uh, that you would give to yourself, give to people now during this time, you know, of COVID? Two things. The first is, um, if we have learned nothing else from this experience, it is that uh, relationships and our health are the two most important things in our life. And then um, the other thing is that this is going to pass. We have, in the course of humanity, pandemics have happened and they will happen again, but they don't last forever. So have faith. Great advice. Do you have a favorite quote you want to end with, Heather? I'm a big fan of Maya Angelou's When You Know Better, You Do Better. Mm, so warm. So many things you said today were just so warm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this was Heather Lyon, uh, everyone. We didn't really touch too much. She has a great blog, the Lyon's Letters. Uh, they're fantastic. You can sign up on, on her website. Uh, great touching stories. I love the one about the uh, rearview mirror, the windshield. and. Thank you. Uh, it's so good. Uh, but check, you can learn more about her. And again, that second book uh, is coming to a theater near you, Strategies on Engagement. But if you are an educator and you are looking to spice up what you're doing, take a deep dive into trying to engage your kids. This is a must read. So uh, check that out. Uh, Heather, we appreciate you coming on Education Leadership Beyond. Uh, again, no sign, no sign off music here until I get that scared away. Uh, but we really appreciate it, Heather. Uh, if people want to reach out to you or follow you on social media, what, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So at Lions Letters, Lion with a Y, uh, lionsletters.com. Or I'm sorry, at Lions Letters on Twitter. And then my website, lionsletters.com. Not only do I have uh, my blog at that uh, website, but also lots of resources related to the book. Um, and so even if you never bought the book, you could go to the website and download things for free. Cool. And maybe we'll connect on uh, my Twitter workshop. I'm going to do a yeah. live Twitter chat. So maybe we'll have you on to uh, connect with some of the people so they can see. That would be great. Like, yeah. Cool. Well, this is Heather Lyon, everyone. Check her out. Western New York. Uh, signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, show number 145. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. All right. Stay on that line.